Mike, turn your games down. Hi, I'm here with another interview episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who is with me tonight? Hello, my name is Barry Carenza, and I'm with Nintendo Fuse and Premium Edition Games. All right, and welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. We met on Twitter. I can't. I think it was you that had reached out to me, which is mm-hmm. nice. Doesn't happen a lot. People reach out to me, but you found me on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> so I was I was looking up, and I see a couple things that you do. You have two different podcasts that you are currently part of. That is correct. Yes, I uh, I've been with Nintendo Fuse for about a decade. I was one of the co-hosts there on that uh, the podcast. We do that every other Monday now at eight thirty p.m. We do that live on YouTube, and then of course it's you know audio on all other platforms afterwards so that's always a nerve-wracking thing because you got to be presentable you're on camera you're live you know no room for mess-ups even though that happens all the time and then i'm also co-host of the premium playcast where we don't really have a set schedule because we're always so busy but we use that as a way to play games and talk about games but also give a lot of insider information about premium edition games okay and what is premium edition games i hadn't hadn't heard of it until we met and i started googling oh wow see that's that's what we're out there trying to do, spread the good word. Premium Edition Games is a physical publisher of digital-only titles. So we put out our games. We're on our fourth series right now, which is available to pre-order as of this moment until June 10th, uh, which is Wonderling DX and Rainier Parade. And each series of titles are just titles that we absolutely love. And we because we go slowly, we have to love the games. And when we release them, we don't like bare-bone releases. We've seen it from small publishers as well as big ones like Nintendo, where you get the game, you open <laughs> it up, it's just the cartridge with a white inside and no manual. And you see this on PlayStation, you see this on Xbox too, and it's it's really disheartening. So we like to go above and beyond, even with our standard versions, where we give you a full-color 20 to 30-plus page manual. We give you inlay art, so you're not looking at white. We give you a <laughs> thick, hard cardboard sturdy matte finished foiled slip cover to put your game case in and we also give you a challenge card inside every game which which has art on the one side and on the back has a developer challenge right from the developer so if you were to succeed in that challenge and you post it on social media and you send us an email at support we will mail you a physical patch for free as our way of saying <laughs> congratulations for conquering the challenge that the developer laid out and uh, that's just our standards. And then we have our retros, which are in a Super Nintendo or N64 size box. And it's filled with goodies that, that as long as they fit, that the uh, developers <laughs> themselves uh, wanted to include. So we do that with every release. So far, has it just been, been Switch games that you guys have released then? Right now, yes, it's just been Switch games. But, okay. you know, anything's possible in the future. I mean, there's not many people who publish digital only. I, the only before this, before we met, the only one I had heard of before is Limited Run Games. And I'm happy to know that there's more people that do it because, I mean, I'm happy to see that games are getting out there because I know it's always a fear for a lot of people that games are going to be locked to digital platforms and never be re-released, especially licensing issues. So it makes me happy to hear that there's more people doing doing that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we're all collectors and we we always see these games that are lost. I mean, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was one of those yep. big pioneered ones for a while, which thankfully now is a physical, but it's the definitive edition. The original version is still lost but you you look at how many games were on WiiWare that are gone and now you know Done. sony announced the the vita the ps3 and the psp were closing and there was a big hubbub and, and they went back and the ps3 and vita are staying around for a little while they will eventually close psp meanwhile is gone so any psp exclusive 
well, you know, could be gone there. I don't know how many will be available still on the Vita for a short bit. Uh, and now Nintendo's closing the, the 3DS and the Wii U. And we see all these people that are like panic buying. They're like, I have to buy this game now or I may never be able to play it again. Yeah. And we hate that. That is the worst. You, you should never have to buy a game under duress, right? You should be able to take your time and know that you could purchase a game whenever you want one. At least, at least can. And, and, you know, some games, you know, they go out of print and they get expensive, but you could at least purchase it. You know, yeah, you could say possible. it's possible. I could throw up a couple hundred dollars and at least own the game. You can't do that with a digital only game when the storefront is closed, uh, especially because these games are locked to your account. So even if you get another system, you have to get that person's account. It's a mess. The Wii is very guilty of that. I remember back oh. in the day when the Wii came out in the virtual console, there were a few Wii games I bought. One that I still want to replay so bad. I, I have ways, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Is Final Fantasy The Crystal Chronicles My Life as a King? Oh, great game. Did you get Dark Lord as well? <laughs> uh, no, back in the day, I, I had the Wii. I had the game. I didn't finish playing it because I had my son was like one at the time, so I didn't know what time was. And then my girlfriend at the time left and took took the Wii with her when she left, oh, so I never no. got around to finishing it. And I still, to this day, my son is now 14. I'm like, one day I'm going to play that game. But <laughs> yeah, I always yeah. think when people bring up stuff like that, that's locked exactly. away. And those are Final Fantasy games. So if someone said, I'm <laughs> going to play every Final Fantasy game, including spinoffs, you can't unless you happen to have previously downloaded those games. And that's a shame that, I mean, to have those games locked. So, you know, we, we want to do our part to find games that are, you know, we feel excel in every aspect, put them out physical, but we also task our developers with ensuring that the games are final. So we've like Wonderling, which is out now, we had signed a while back. We waited till they told us the DX version is it. All the levels are there, all the bonus content. And that's going to be the version that's on cart. This way, that version is preserved. Rain in Your Parade, which is out now, we have this paid DLC. And we said we want the paid DLC on the cart as well. So when you buy the game, you're getting the complete experience. And that's all preserved. So down the road, when digital storefronts are closed, <laughs> you can say, I can at least play the game and play it in its entirety. Okay. I mean, I like seeing that, 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 you know, you guys exist. Are there other publishers that do oh, what yeah. you do besides Limited Run? Oh, yeah, there's a there's a ton. There's Super Rare Games, there's, there's okay. Limited Games, there's Special Reserve, there's Hard Copy, there's One That's Print, there's First Press, I thought. V-Blank, I'm 8-Bit. I mean, there's a bunch of them out there that uh, that do this. And what's great is there's so many games out, right? You, you look at look at the eShop, the PSN, and, and the Xbox Live. Every week, there's so many games released. <laughs> it's impossible to play them all, which means you're missing out on some great games that are going under your radar. And that means there's a there's a market to bring those games out physical. And a lot of people don't pay attention to the digital storefront because they have plenty to play that come out physical. And then when they see a game come out physical, uh, like people are like, oh, I've never heard of Wonderling. And now that looks great. And now it's now on my radar. And, you know, now they can purchase it and own it and play it and enjoy it. As I'm looking through your list of some of your games that you guys have published, Cathedral, the one that gets my attention, that I keep looking at. Cathedral is a phenomenal game. <laughs> Cathedral is just a beautiful 2D action adventure that's like Shovel Knight meets Castlevania meets Metroid. It's a long game. It's like 40 hours. It's so much fun. And that was part of our Series 3. And that's just shipping right now, the uh, standards. And we will have second chance sales for all our Series 3 and some of our older titles next month in June uh, after Series 4 closes. So that is certainly for people who are just discovering us going, oh, I want one of your past games. We got you covered. You'll get that, you know, next month. 
that's cool that you're able to go back and you know, at least have a second order because I mean, I used to collect games all the time. I don't any. I only buy digital now for the most part because eh, I can't do it. I had to move, and when I moved, I have four bookshelves or actually six bookshelves fill of PS2 games, GameCube, Wii, 360, PS3, and I said never again. So I, I won't buy physical anymore because moving was terrible. So, but you know, and that's true. If but, if you don't have a lot of room and you're moving, well, unless you know, you're buying. You're buying what you want to play. Like for me, I used to have the Hannah Montana game. I had everything. I would just buy every dirt cheap 360 game I could find for. And then I regretted that decision. But I mean, these are like quality products. These aren't like, you know, your stupid ripoffs. Like I I used to own every MLB game like 06, 07, 08. I didn't play them. I just owned them just because. So, you know, I did the same. If you get a very buck, I'm going to grab it. Yeah, uh, if I don't have it already. But but yeah, because we go slowly every game that we do sign, it's something that the team plays, the team loves, and we work we're able to work out a deal and we 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 when we present a game to our audience, to the world, it's our way of putting a stamp on it and saying, this is a game that's worth your attention. And because so many people either do buy digital or when they buy physical, they buy a bunch, they put it on the shelf just like you with Hannah Montana <laughs> and they never play it. And that's one of the reasons we do the challenge cards, because we love these games so much. We want you to play them and we want to give you an incentive to play them. And so many emails come in saying, and these are my favorite type of emails. Like, here's my challenge submission. And I want you to know I had zero interest in playing this game. I got it because, you know, I collect small print games and, you know, the challenge intrigued me. So I tried it. And now I can't put the game down. Now the game's one of my favorite games. Thank you for introducing it to me. And that's what we love to see because we fell in love with these games and we think you will too. Do you meet with developers long before the game is ever released then? It sounds like we have, we've had talked with developers before a game was finished and we have signed games before they were finished. One example is uh, we were part of the Kickstarter in 2020 for uh, Sunshine and Thaura for uh, Sunshine Manor. And that was part of the Kickstarter as a physical tier. And we're waiting for the game's done. We're now waiting for the game to be ported to the Switch for us to release our version. But when we signed the contract, we didn't just want Sunshine Manor. We wanted the first game, Camp Sunshine, as well. So our physical is actually going to be a two-pack with both games in the series complete on cart. Okay. That's pretty cool. I mean, as when I do buy physical games, which is not anymore, when I would do, I always love waiting for the, not collector edition, but the complete edition to come out. Like, Sleeping Dogs Complete Edition, for example, is one of them where I bought it more than once just because I wanted that DLC on a disc. You see, that's a funny thing because <laughs> back in, you know, Xbox, you know, the, the Xbox, PS2, GameCube, Dreamcast generation, and, and the next one, the, the uh, PS3, 360, and Wii, a lot of companies would do that. They would do the Game of the Year Edition, which had all the DLC. It was like 20 bucks. Maybe it was a player's choice or greatest hits or whatever. But those were great because you got an updated version of the disc uh, with all the game content. The PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, etc. generation and upward, they cheap out now. So like if you go to the store and say, oh, look, here's Spider-Man on PS4, the game of the year edition with all the DLC, you buy it and you open it up. You're going to see the base Spider-Man disc with a download code voucher for the DLC. So you're not getting it all complete on disc. You're getting the same game with the download code. Now, there are some exceptions, like Horizon Complete Edition is all on disc. Okay. So that's a great, great you know example of that. And some, But those are both Sony. So it's like it's not even like <laughs> one company does it, one company doesn't. It, it seems to just be you know hit or miss when they decide to do it. So you have to be careful. 
some companies like Nintendo will actually shadow update their game cards with like free DLC. For example, like Mario Tennis came out on the Switch and they had like a year's worth of free character updates and then yeah. stages and stuff. If you get a, a copy now, it has all those characters on the card because they were free DLC. Versus if you got a launch copy, you would have to download all those characters. So when the servers eventually go down, one of those games is going to be complete with all the content, and one of those games is going to be launch version without all the content. Which I, I like part of the world we live in when it comes to how easily things can be updated, but that's, well, that's one of the, the bums about it. So it's nice that you guys are able to not have that an issue. Yeah, we, we, sure we ask every developer. We will hold a game. We, you know, Robot Name Fight was another example. We got that early. <clears throat> we said we were interested in doing it. And he said, well, I just want you to know we're having like, you know, co-op modes and, and deathmatch and stuff being added to the game. It's a free update, but that's that's still in development. So we said we want to hold off until that's done and make sure that is all on the card because we're about preservation as well. So when you buy any of our games, our, the game is going to be complete. I'm not going to say there's never going to be like a bug fix, fix patch down the road, like a year or two down the road. We can't foresee that. Yeah. But it's no new content. Like all the content is done. You're not pulling an EA where you have something that's there but locked away without this whole oh. code. To be. <laughs> no, no. You know, we, we, we hate doing that. We, we hate when other people do that. And we don't really count that. It's not physical. It's a code. Those codes expire. There's yes. a legit expiration date on all those pieces of paper. I was, I was playing Dead Space 2 not too long ago and I opened up my case and there was my Game Pass inside there during that little phase where the EA games had a little Game Pass when you bought a game. I was like, I remember this bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, so you had to you had to buy a game new to be able to play online or, yeah. or pay extra to play. Yeah, that that was, that was to combat used games. That's all garbage. But yeah, we we absolutely do not want to ever go down that road. You know, now if there's a game that's like super big, and they say, look, we have like three years worth of content, but we'd like the physical now. Is there a chance we might do it? Sure, and then maybe later on do you know three years down the road? Here's an updated version, but like. It would have to be something really big for us to do that. Otherwise, if it's like, oh, it's going to be a couple months, we'll sit and hold. We'll hold if, you know, as long as we have the game, we, we want it preserved. And okay. the fans like it better that way. Because, again, you see the Wii U going down. You see the 3DS going down. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and look at look at Fire Emblem Revelations, right? A, a whole Fire Emblem game. <clears throat> an entire Fire Emblem game is lost. Because the only way to get a physical is through the collector's edition of birthright and and conquest so the only way to get that third full game is through the collector's edition the collector's edition price just skyrocketed because of course nintendo didn't print enough and with the eShop going down that would be the only way to play that game and that is crazy that, that is really crappy i wasn't even aware of that. yeah like these are full games you know nintendo has box box boy dylan's role in western like these are their own first party ip that in america never got physical only in japan so those games gone if you if you enjoy them they're gone like you know rhythm heaven got a 3ds game in europe got a physical but the 3ds isn't region free so you it's digital here it's gonna luck. be lost <laughs> I, I hate that like that's why i'm happy like even though i'm assuming like something that you guys had published like let's say here you know five years from now that copy physically is gonna be worth a lot more money but at least it's out there at least it exists yeah. you know out in the ether when the internet disappears that's the idea. You know, people say like, oh, well, it's going to be expensive. But you know what? If you can say I can drop a thousand dollars and play the game, at least you can drop a thousand dollars and play the yes. game. You can't do that with it. You can say, you know, 
hey, Konami, you know, you have the Castlevania Adventure on the Wii that was WiiWare that's gone. Here's a billion dollars. Can I buy the game? Oh, no, I can't. A billion dollars won't buy the game. So I'd rather have even an expensive option versus no option. Yeah, because for the, for the preservation, like that's I'm I love the fact that people do preserve games now in one way or another. People try to and they recognize it as a medium that needs to be preserved. I mean, I know there's stuff that's a lot of stuff is lost in the old days like they're that they're working on trying to say when they can. But, you know, especially in today's market, that shouldn't be a thing. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys exist in that sense that are trying to make it a little different. Well, yeah, we we realize the value of it. And a lot of these developers that we've dealt with, you know, they they grew up with, you know, the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, the PlayStation, you know, the Genesis. So they grew up with physical media. And these are all all people who aspired to make their own games. And, you know, as a kid, I, I did, too. I aspired. I'm not talented, so I can't do it. But I always aspired. Oh, it'd be great to have my own game. I always pictured it with the box art and the cartridge and all that stuff. And they did, too. So. It's awesome to be able to make their dreams come true on top of everything because now they are getting their games physical. They are getting them tangible. They can hold them. They can have them preserved. And we're giving them that physical treatment. It's not just a cheap, here's the game <laughs> card in a, in a case with no inlay in art or anything. We're giving them that premium package, and we're honored to be able to do that. And I also think with the market changing, like as you see with GameStop not being the juggernaut that it was, I feel like also physical games are going to become more important as the world switches to digital, like I am, you know, to have that physical, especially when you don't have such a conglomerate that's absorbing everything and having it everything at your disposal. I mean, it's, I think it'll be kind of more special, too, as the years go by that you guys are, are creating these physical. I, I agree. I think, you know, people say digital is forever, uh, inevitable, inevitable. And you know what? Maybe mm. it is down the road. Maybe digital only is, uh, you know, one of the reasons physical does exist is because of big box retailers, because there's contracts cards don't do the same thing as physical media oh yeah but but if it ever goes away it's only going to be for a time being because there's always going to be a market look at look at companies like evercade right i think it's blaze media uh evercade came out and here they are brand new console handheld and a system uses physical media physical cartridges for compilations older games but it's a you know new system and there's a market for it. People love it. It's a fantastic little system. And that just shows that there is a market for that stuff. So, it, you know, look at vinyl. Vinyl disappeared for a long <laughs> time, and now it's huge. Now vinyl's huge. Yes. You know, it's it's going to be the same thing. You're going to see, you know, maybe, maybe you know, next generation or the generation after Sony and Microsoft are going to be like, our consoles are digital only, and Nintendo will be like, we're still using cartridges. But you have to realize that if the previous generation system is using media, if you get rid of that media or, or a way to read that media, you lose that backwards compatibility. And right now, backwards compatibility is huge. Yes. You know, the PlayStation 5 would nowhere near be near in demand if it didn't play PlayStation 4 game. Same with the Xbox Series X. And if when the Switch 2 eventually comes out, if it's not backwards compatible with the Switch, it's going to be a big misstep because there's a huge library ready and you want that instant library on a new system. Like, I want a Series X. The only reason that I want one, the main reason I want my Xbox One die, I have a ton of copies of physical things that I want to play at some point or have the access to. Well, I mean, even the, the One S versus the One X, the One X is actually more powerful than the One S. Like, you're actually getting a more powerful machine. Okay. You know, the PlayStation 5, both versions are the same power, but for 100 extra bucks, you're getting the ability to play physical PS5 discs, physical PS4 discs, DVDs, and Blu-rays. That's really cheap for a hundred bucks. 
Yeah, it's well worth it for. I mean, you, you go to GameStop and buy a whole crap ton of PS4 games for like dirt cheap, <laughs> and, and you know, just enjoy. That's going to pay for itself in no time versus the digital equivalents. I miss doing that. I now that GameStop isn't what it used to be. I used to be one of those guys that would go every single week to my local GameStop. I would actually visit. Like one thing I used to do, people make fun of me. I'd go to different cities and go to the random local GameStop in like a small town somewhere to see what they had, and I'd find the random shit. And I oh, I miss that. I miss <laughs> so, it too. I, I used to go to GameStop and, and enjoy going. Now now I do, don't even know what to look for because you know there's like over half the store isn't games and it's just the current stuff. Know. You know, I miss I miss the 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 joy of discovering new games and finding them cheap. Yeah, I mean, they're not the same. No, nah, I used to when when the Wii, I freak. I, they used to buy two get one free. I used to walk mm-hmm. out of there with like hundreds of Wii games, and like people would be like, "I'm buying two games. It's like 120 dollars." And I'd come to the counter with this like stack of like a hundred so Wii games, and they'd be like, "All right, that'd be 65 dollars." And people would look at me and go, "Yeah, yeah that's right." Less than a dollar a piece, baby. Plus, plus they had the the elite, right? So I got twenty yep. percent off. There was, that too. They, they used to have some insane sales. They had one sale where it was like you get sixty percent off used games when you buy a used system. And I remember I went to like eight different GameStop to buy a bunch of games, and I because everyone had different ones. And I finally had this list. And I walked into GameStop, and my buddy was working the register. I said, "I need you to <laughs> return these games." And I gave him the receipts, and it was like $600 worth of games. And he's like, oh, you're returning? I said, no, return and rebuy. And it's like, okay, so return and rebuy. <laughs> and it's $600. Uh, now that was $600 you know, on the pre-owned price. And I was like, okay, well, I have my Elite membership, so I got 20% off. And I said, oh, and, uh, how much is that DS, the 2DS over there? It's like, oh, it's like 60 bucks. I'm like, throw that on there. It's like, okay. Uh, we owe you four hundred and sixty-five dollars now <laughs> for you buying the DS. It was like insane. Like you, you just you were able to, you know, really get some good deals, and and they maybe that's great. why they stopped it. What? Oh, they were gr- they stopped it because they stopped making the money. I actually know people where I used to work. I actually worked with a bunch of previous managers at <laughs> GameStop and a district manager. So I got to hear a lot of like inside of what how great they were, and then they just said that they were just watching it crumble in the last couple of years and that's what they got out when they did yeah it's they just weren't making the money I, I don't want gamestop to go away i don't hate I don't gamestop either. you know i, I like <laughs> i like having a physical game store and there's a there's a need for that and it's great to see people come in and buy physical games not come in and buy digital cards <laughs> but we'll see what happens with gamestop yeah i i just stopped going because the deals aren't there anymore for me no. and i don't really want to buy physical too much I still order stuff. I was recently there to pick up Life is Strange for PS4. Oh, great game. Great game. Yes. I have like four copies of it. <laughs> so I love that game. I have it on Xbox One. I have it on PS4. I have it on PC. Yeah, so I have three copies of it now. Three copies. Right. I have two. Xbox and PS4. It's a good so game. Well, Xbox One died. And my oh, wife, yeah. I don't want my wife to play on PC because then I won't be able to use my PC. So I bought ah. PS4. Interior motive there. I like Plus it. She doesn't like she doesn't like PC games as much as she like. She'd rather sit on the couch with a with a controller yeah. and play in the console, not have a controller hooked up to a laptop. You know what? I I feel the same way. Oh, and I wanted to ask you, how did you end up working for Premium Games? Oh, that's a good question. So I um, was on Facebook. I'm in a lot of different gaming groups, and the my my partner uh, Jeff uh, Jeffrey Wittenhagen, who uh, was running at the, at the time, it was the Switch Mania Playcast. Uh, he put out a call saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I need a I'm looking for a new co-host for the, for this podcast." And I said, "Well, you know, I already do Nintendo Fuse. Why not?" 
let me let me send him a message. Yeah, I'm sure other people did. You know, it's probably zero chance, but I'll send him a message. <laughs> so we started talking a bit, and he's like, "All right, you want to come on for for a guest episode?" I said, "Sure, we'll see how it works." So I did it. Had a great time. And next week, he's like, "So you good to record again?" I was like, "Oh, I figured you were going to test other people." So I was like, right, "Come back on." Okay. So after like three or four or five episodes, I was like, "Am I still on trial? Like, am I fit? I need to know my <laughs> schedule here. Like, am I should I plan yeah. this every week?" You know, and I officially joined, and it was great. And he and the old co-host JP uh, were in discussion to form Premium Edition Games, and I didn't even know they they formed it. And they kind of teased me a little bit, like, "Oh, you know, we got a secret. You don't know." I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then they finally told me, and they said, "Are you interested in joining?" I said, "Hell yeah, I am." Well, you should have told me start, you know, sooner. You know, I could have gotten to work sooner. But that's really, it's really right place, right time. Circumstances got me in the door that way. And, okay. uh, you know, became, you know, we, we hadn't even announced it anyway. So we, we became the foundation. And, you know, we started pulling in other people from the community. And, you know, we launched our first direct. And from there, the rest is history. Is that your full-time job then? Or do you do other work also? No, no. So premium edition for, for all of us is actually a secondary job. It's not okay. even really a job. It's a hobby. It is okay. something that we love. The plan is after a few years, uh, once everything settles with our current jobs, that we can, you know, retire from our current jobs and we can do them do this full time. Nice. Okay. Were you, because I saw you worked for Nintendo Fuse. Is that a, that's a fan website then? Yeah. Nintendo Fuse is a, a fan website that does, you know, reviews. It does news articles. Been around for a long time since I think 2006. I think it was We Nintendo at <laughs> first. And uh, the podcast's was on for like over 90 episodes before I even joined it. We, we, we over 250 plus now. And yeah, it was just one of those things where it was an opportunity to express my love for video gaming, getting to talk to developers, getting to go to events as press. It, it just really was a dream come true. So, and that helped me because I gained a lot of experience doing podcasting, talking with developers, you know, writing and being able to take that and translate that to the premium playcast and now translate that into premium edition. Okay. Oh, and what was, what is your favorite game so far that you guys have published? You know, See, that stands out to you. That's tough because well, that's I know, like asking like... what's your favorite child. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I love on the record. I love all of our releases. They're, they're quirky and they're fun and there's a lot of depth to them. They're, you know, they're different genres, so it's it's also extra hard because, you know, it's like saying, what do you like better, Mario or Zelda? Well, it depends on my mood. If I want an adventure game or I want a platformer, you know. I, I don't so, suffer that same illness because I, I don't like platformers. I only I love Zelda, so I, I just played Mario Sunshine and it hurt me. But so that's all. <laughs> well, see, but that's just it. Like, you know, Super Blood Hockey is a hockey RPG and, you know, you have Pigeon Dev Games Collection, which is like Super Meat Boy. Bomberman and Running and Gun, and then you got, you know, Robo Name Fight, which is like Super Metroid, and Demon's Tear, which is like Gauntlet, Cathedral, which is the Castlevania Shovel Knight, Phenotopia is like Zelda 2, Mighty Fight Federation is like Power Stone, Wonderling is like Super Meat Boy Forever Done Well, and <laughs> Rain Your Parade is like Katamari Damacy if you were an asshole cloud. So, okay. you know, all of our releases are very, very different genres and styles. I mean, some people might say like Robot and Cathedral are similar because they both have a Metroidvania vibes, but they're two very different games. Robot is a roguelike where every time you play, it's a brand new seed versus oh. Cathedral where it's a static map and you're going around and exploring. And if you find an area, you everyone else finds that same area the same way. 
I'm so, more into that type of game. You know, I am too, but there's something about Robot having infinite abilities, infinite Super Metroids, because it's just designed in a way to always give you the items, but it's always different items. There's over a hundred different items you get in that game. So one one game you could be playing like Sonic the Hedgehog doing spin dashes, and, and another one you could have <laughs> missiles coming out of your head, another one you have infinite jumps, one other one you're dashing all over. So it's it's really cool how it changes it up every game. And since during our conversation, I've been wishlisting a bunch of the games that you guys have published on Steam. <laughs> so check them out at some point. So you got my attention. I mean, this is the way we look at it. These games are all worth your attention. And if, if you say, I'm not a physical collector, but you're talking about it, so maybe it's worth my attention and I will choose to buy it in another medium, that's fine too, because you're helping the developer. And all these developers are absolutely worth helping. These are amazing people, amazing, amazing talent. And, you know, we hope that if you do try it, uh, Wonderling, for example, has a demo. So you can play the demo in the eShop before you purchase. But if you do like it, then you say, you know what? I want to support the developers even more because the developers make more money from the physical versus the digital, obviously. I mean, if you got yeah. a digital for like two bucks, they're going to get up. You know, it's not, <laughs> not a lot of money. Steam's got to take their, what is it, 30 or something percent they take? Yeah. And Steam, Steam usually people buy games on Steam for a dollar, two bucks, three bucks. So. <laughs> So you know, <laughs> it, it, even if it's a hundred percent, you're still only getting dollar two, three dollars. Yeah. Um, so exactly. So if you if you really like the game, support the physical. One, you're supporting fantastic developers even more. Two, you're getting a phenomenal collection and a collector's version of these games to preserve and have on your shelf forever. Three, you can then open it up and try the challenge and win a nice challenge patch for free. Is there a way of saying you know? Hey, I got this. Uh, and those are limited. Those are very limited. So, you know, once they're out, they're out, you know. And that's just something really cool to uh, to have. That your reminds me so much of the Atari days before that's my exactly, time. But that's exactly where it is. <laughs> we were inspired by by the Activision days of the Atari mm-hmm. and wondered why no one ever did it again. So, we said we're going to bring it back and still we're the only people doing it. Cuz I think people don't I mean, patches are a big thing in today's... Like, people collect pins and patches. It's a very normal thing. I mean, you go to Hot Topic, you go to many different stores, you'll see pins and patches all over the place. Like, people like that stuff still. Companies should do that little extra thing, but it's good that somebody's doing it. Well, another thing that we're doing right now with with our Series 4, if you pre-order on our website, premiumeditiongames.com, we're giving you a free bonus dog tag. Now, we did this with Series 3 pre-orders, and we are selling uh, a starter kit with the first few uh, games, uh, dog tags. But we do custom dog tags that are actually printed on <laughs> there. It's not stickers. It is actually printed on the dog tag itself. And this is just one little extra way of saying, thank you for supporting. We're going to give you an extra little bonus thing. And that, again, that's free. That's just our way of saying thank you. That's good, though. I mean, you're going above and beyond. We try. Because, again, we, we love our customers. We wouldn't exist without them. We love our developers. We wouldn't exist without them either. So we want to, you know, we're premium edition, right? We want <laughs> to, we have to live up to our name. <laughs> we want to make sure that you are getting premium quality, premium games. Simple as that. And I want to ask you, how long have you been collecting games? Me? My whole life. Okay. Literally. 1982. Nice. Do you remember the first game that you bought by any chance? Something that st- stuck with you? The first game I bought... Or something like uh, early on that got you into your love of gaming. Oh, the Atari and the uh, Commodore. Atari 8-bit and the Commodore 128. My my uncle owned a software store at the time. So he had PC stuff. 
which at that point we were just IBM and IBM compatibles. And uh, we, you know, Atari and Commodore. So because he did that, you know, he got my father into it. And <laughs> my father was like programming using BASIC on the Atari 8-bit. You know, we didn't have a 2600 or anything like that because we had the, the 8-bit computers instead. And he would always hook us up. He would always like bring me to his store and be like, oh, you know, have a game, you know. <laughs> you know, I you know even PC stuff. You know the old shareware discs. I remember used to get those like Hugo Hunt, Hugo the Hunt and uh, dude the original Duke Nukem and Commander Keen and <laughs> all all that stuff. The classic shareware three and a half inch floppies. And just my love came from being surrounded by that. You know, just finding the joy in the original Atari Minor Twenty Forty Nine er was a big one. Obviously Pac Man, Hall the uh, the Mountain King. There's just so many great games that gone montezuma's revenge was a big one for me uh, agent usa star raiders just some classic games and once i saw nintendo it was, it was <laughs> it for me it was, i was like oh this is even even better now like this is the new thing i i just want to move on and it was one of those things where as a kid my mom was like no you like you know you know those uh the memes you see like oh mom i want this oh you have this at home yes. this at home <laughs> That's what me. It was like, oh, mom, I want a Nintendo. She's like, no, you have a Nintendo at home. No, Nintendo at home was Atari and Commodore. Not knocking those systems. They're very special to me. But as a kid, you want the new thing. All my friends are playing Mario and Zelda, and I'm still playing Pac-Man. So it it was one of those things where I always wanted what he's wanted. And finally, once I had money and a job, and I was like, you know what? No one can tell me no anymore. So now (laughs) I'm going after all the stuff I missed. You know, because I had, you know, I eventually did get a Nintendo, but I got a Nintendo in like 94. That's a later in the place. Much later. I played at all my friends' houses for the 80s and the 90s, but I didn't own one until then. You know, Super Nintendo was 97 and 64 was 98. And it was like just getting that stuff, you know, GameCube. GameCube was the first system I actually got at launch in 2001. Okay. And then from there, I I got every Nintendo system at launch. I got every Microsoft system at launch uh, from the 360 onwards. And ps4 and 5 at launch ps1 2 and 3 i got later on but like i went back i got saturn because i always remember <laughs> the magazines and seeing the saturn ads. Oh, i want to play those games yeah the first time i got a ps2 i got a ps2 and got one ps2 game with it which is grand theft auto 3 because everyone was talking about it yes everyone <laughs> and, <laughs> and i used my ps2 for the first like two years on playstation 1 games because i went to gamestop and i bought a bunch of playstation 1 games that i missed yeah. where i played at friends houses and now i got to experience them like you know, franchise that I love. Mega Man went to PlayStation. You know, Final Fantasy went to PlayStation. Dragon Quest went to PlayStation. You know, so I was like, oh, now I get to experience all these great titles that I missed. Uh, and it, it was just, you know, Nirvana in that. But, like, I kicked uh, myself. I had the chance to buy Sukaden 2 back in the day when PS2 was off like 30 oh. bucks. And I like, eh, I don't want to spend 30 bucks on this right now. And I look back and I'm like, damn it, because I collected RPGs even at that time. And I'm like, damn it, asshole, why didn't you just buy it? Well, the same reason that, oh, why didn't I go to Funkoland and buy stadium events for 25 cents? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could always, you could you could play that game of, you know, what if forever. But and at least Super Nintendo 2 is a good game. <laughs> I'm like, yes. And, and stadium events is just world-class track meet. It's more for the story because at least you can play the game. But but yeah, I mean, Sukaden Two is a great game, and that's. I just I was kidding myself. I had Sukaden One, and I just didn't, and I didn't want to spend the money that day, and then I never saw it again, and then I still have actually have never played that game yet. I I don't think so. I think I have a memory of me playing it, like my first emulation game on PS One ever, but I I don't know if that's real or not. If I ever finished it or not, <laughs> like I can't remember but anything least, about that game. It's expensive, but at least you can actually purchase it. 
yes. you can buy a physical copy of. And that's, I know it was released on PSP also, but I don't think that ever came to America. I can't remember. Into. There was a collection at one a long time ago when I when I was I remember looking. I was, there was a Sukaden Gate one and two for PSP. I remember. I think I remember, but I don't know if it ever came here. If it came out in Europe, it's the PSP is region free. Oh, okay. So if it did come out in Europe, it, it would be playable. If it came out in Japan, it'd still be playable, but it'd probably be really hard to play in Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> at I least have it on Europe my, should be in English. I have it on my, on my PS3, I think. I think it was a download game. If it was, yeah. I would have bought it. And, well, and what is your favorite system to collect for? I know, it's a loaded <laughs> <That's>, question. <laughs> that's a loaded question. The reason is, you know, right now I've got the Switch set. So I'm, I'm keeping up with the Switch set. Every, every physical that comes out with the Switch. I also love collecting for the PlayStation 4. I'm not going for that set because there's too many sport <laughs> games. But I, I have, you know, the ones I really want. And there's a lot of quirky, weird PS4 and Switch games. And because they're region free, some great games that we never got over here. But I do, I'm a set collector. I love collecting sets. And unfortunately, with the state of the retro industry right now, <laughs> I was going for like GameCube and Dreamcast. 2020 hit and I stopped it. Didn't all like, the prices jump? Everything jumped. Okay. So I like going, I started going for things. I, I look at the, the pattern of where people are going. And if everyone's going right, I try and say, I'm not going to go right because there's too much competition. As a collector, I go left. So like I did Wii U, I did Vita, uh, you know, well before like they ended. And now everyone's going for Wii U and Vita sets and they're expensive. And it's like, oh, yeah, like Devil's Dirt is like 500 something dollars. Like I got it for 60 bucks when it came out. <laughs> I forget about that. Game. That's yeah. going to be one of the games that does not come off the Wii U, I feel. Oh, yeah, that, that one's staying there. Yeah. Uh, but at least, again, it, it exists physically. Yeah. You know, there's, there's systems that people don't think about that are incredibly fun to collect for. Like I loved going for the N-Gage set. There was just something <laughs> about it. It was just such a quirky system and has a really good library of games, much better than most people realize. You don't hear that I, a lot. No, but you got you got civilization you got katan on there you've got you elder scrolls on there you know you've got warhammer you know you got games that you were like wait what this was released <laughs> this got a physical there's just some weird quirky stuff and again people aren't going for it you know i just i just got the neo geo pocket color set with the assistance from a friend again it's like people aren't going for those sets i'm gonna go for them because if there's less people going, there's less competition, supply and demand. Yeah, it's a lot uh, cheaper than I mean, another thing that kind of broke me when it comes to, like, I was buying physical for a while. Real, I mean, moving and then just watching everything in 2020, the prices got ridiculous. I mean, I didn't buy retro. I just bought, like, PS4 or, PS, or PS3 or 360. And just watching those prices just raise and then GameStop not being what it was. And I just, that kind of broke me when it came to physical because I'm like, the reason I love physical because it used to be cheap as hell. And then when it wasn't cheap anymore to buy like, Oh, I can buy two, get one free and I can take 20 bucks and come out with like four games at GameStop that I didn't have. Like that went away. Or what I used to love doing is going to a GameStop and finding some random ass title for PS4 yep. with some anime cover. And something I never heard of before for like five bucks or 10 bucks. I'm like sold. You know, that's true. And those days still exist though. You could still go and look through the PS4 library and the switch library and stuff. And you'll probably find games you didn't know ever existed. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. And sometimes it's fun just to go take those, take them home and, and play them. Absolutely. I hear you. Uh, PS3 has has jumped in price because of that announcement. When Sony announced we're, we're cutting out the PS3 digital store, the physical oh. version started going up. Then even though they backtracked it, 
the prices didn't come back down. They just stayed up. Because <laughs> they know it's coming. I mean, at some point, it's, they're going to still drop coming. it. Yeah. It just got it, prolonged. Sony's, Sony's not going to leave that up. It's not going to leave it up as long as it's profitable. Yeah. They realized we're going to lose a little money probably, you know, every month to keep it up. But you're keeping the fans happy. But once enough time happens and that price, you know, they start losing more and more money, they're going to be like, all right, we're eventually cutting this. Yeah, they're not going to keep it going. And then I wanted to ask you, what do you consider your favorite genre of games? Like, what kind of games that really grab your attention? What JRPGs. JRPGs are hands down my favorite. I I love, I like Western RPGs too, but JRPGs is something about it. I, I, you know, adventure games, you know, are, are up there. I love Zelda, but. You know, oh, they're beautiful, beautiful games right there. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where, you know, if I had to pick only one genre to play for the rest of my life, JRPG, without a second doubt. And there's enough of them out there, and they're long oh, enough God. that I would be able to play forever. I mean, I, as, for the ones I can't, you know, everyone but you that can't see the camera, I have a copy of Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 3, and Final Fantasy 2 above my head, always. Sure. Just displayed on my desk. <laughs> my three, three of my favorite games of all time. And Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 4, Final Fantasy 6, but the SNES US cartridges. Yes. <laughs> Which I love. I, I love JRPGs too. I Chrono Trigger is my all time favorite game. But you, I mean, there's so many. Like recently, I just went back and have you ever played Treasures of the Rudros for Super Nintendo? No, I have not actually. Okay. It's a Japan only game for, made That's by why. Squaresoft. <laughs> there's other ways to play it. Yeah. But <laughs> it never came here yet. But like Live a Live is coming to Switch here soon. Thank physically. God. I mean, I just did, I did it on my show. Last year or so, yeah, last year, and I'm gonna pick that up. I, I want to pick that up pretty quickly because I'm so excited that they're finally re-releasing it and finally bringing it to America. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm super excited about that. And they're using the HD 2D like engine. Yeah. There's so many games that never came, and and I did play a lot through those other methods, especially in college when I couldn't <laughs> bring my systems. Yeah, I played like Final Fantasy V way before it ever came here and nice. and secret of mana 2 and trials of mana now but we called it secret of mana 2 second dead that's three uh tales of fantasia you know definitely a lot of those titles i did do because again i was just into jrpgs and i really wanted to see them and we didn't get them over here so it's nice to see them start coming over because there is a market for it oh yeah and there's some great games and those don't age at all really like they don't they don't age the same way Especially that era, like Super, oh yeah, Super Nintendo, like games still look beautiful. PS One is a little uh, <laughs> early. Three D games, N sixty four, and PS One do not have not aged well. Sadly, no. they have they not aged well. That's the worst generation for aging. Yeah, they also don't play that well either. Some games still do. Mario sixty four still plays incredible, which is I actually the camera have never sucks. played it that much. I've never beaten it. I own it. I played it back in the day, but I've never finished. I've never gotten all the way through the game. I'm going to remedy that later this year because I'm playing it for the podcast because I need to freaking play that game once and for all. But I never really played it. I mean, Ocarina of Time and Jura's Mask still hold up. And yes, Final Fantasy IX to me still holds up. You know, Chrono Cross, the, you know, Grandia. <laughs> there are some that still hold up, but then there are other ones that are just no, 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 this. This was great for its time. I remember looking at this and going, wow, I can't believe it looks like this. And now I'm saying, wow, I can't believe it looked like this. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't judge it that way. So, Well, yeah, because it was new. Yeah. But but see, like, and that's the thing, like the graphical leap between, you know, Super Nintendo and, and PlayStation N64 Saturn, early 3D was huge. And the graphical leap then to the PlayStation 2, Xbox and GameCube was huge. 
and you could argue with the graphical leap then to the PS3 360 era was also huge. But I think that was the last really huge jump. I yeah. think the jump to the PS4, Xbox One, Wii U was not as big, and the jump to the PS5, Xbox Series X, and Switch is not nothing. Like, it's really... I couldn't tell you if you took me a screenshot. Like, is this the PS4 version or the PS5 version? I couldn't tell you. And, and it's so minute of an upgrade that it, it's... To me, it's it's nowhere near the generational jump between, like, the 8-bit to the 16-bit to the 32-bit to the 64-bit eras when you can see... You, oh, this yeah. is a Super Nintendo game. This is is a PlayStation game. This is an NES game. Like you could really tell the difference, 3D versus 2D. Now it's, I mean, if you can see a difference, Mazel Tov to you. But the majority of people really, there's not a huge. Leap. No, you, I'm I'm not one that can really tell. I'm not big into graphics either. As long as the game, like I was just playing uh, the Bouncer last night. Oh, uh, early SquareSoft <laughs> game. Yes, one of the I, last and only PS2 SquareSoft games. I think there's only three of them. It still, it still. I mean, it still looks beautiful in those cutscenes. Like that game is still gorgeous. It plays okay, but it's still gorgeous <laughs> in the cutscenes. That was Nomura, I believe. Yeah, he did the character yeah. designs. What do we like? I like the joke is the early, early what we got for Sora. Yeah, it looks, yeah, like, it looks kind of like him. He's getting there, like Kingdom Hearts Four trailer. He's starting to kind of look like that, like CM Barzan. Ah, it's yeah. a strange game. But That's people don't talk about. I think there was four games now. Like, I forgot about Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts launched as a square. Yep, I think that was, was still Squaresoft. Square Soft. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts, Final, Final Fantasy X, Bouncer, and Drive Emotion Type S, I think were the only four, at least in Drive, America. What is Drive Emotion S? That was a Square Squaresoft racing game released for the PlayStation 2 that most people forgot that Square even did a racing game, but they absolutely did. Okay, you have my attention because I love early Square, or I love Square in general, Squaresoft. Yeah. I try to play most of their games. Well, now you'll have to track down a copy because it does in fact exist. And it's Squaresoft. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's gonna be. I have a copy. Of, I was. Pl- I have a copy bouncer somewhere over there that I had for years. My PS2 collection has traveled states with me. So, and my last question I want to ask you sure. is, what is your favorite game? It can be something that just like, cause, like that, you know, childhood game usually tends to be with people here. Like that. That, it, that is unloaded. What's CT? <laughs> that's my favorite personally. I mean, perfect. So. There, <laughs> people people ask me this all the time, and like. I I was just on a podcast and and I couldn't like what's your top five I couldn't I couldn't even do top five I'd say if I only had to pick one one game that that stands above the others and it's totally unfair but it has to be and that's Final Fantasy XI <clears throat> and Final that's Fantasy XI stands at the top because not only is it a great game not only is it you know stood the test of time but I've made so many friends that are still my friends today that we friends outside the game. But most importantly, I met my wife playing that game. So no other game has given me eternal happiness like that game has. So it's an unfair advantage. But by default, that has to be my favorite game of all time. What server were you on? I was on Phoenix. Okay, I was on Bahamut back in the day. I had to, I used to play it too. I quit <clears throat> when, God, what was the, the expansion Wings of the Goddess, I think? Wings was it the, the one after? Okay, that, I quit that when that came out. The treasure. See, I, I kept going until Seekers. When Seekers came out, I felt Seekers was a, a garbage expansion, and I lost interest. I just couldn't handle the way that game was after a while. Well, a big part for me was uh, my girlfriend at the time that I was with, we both played Final Fantasy XI, and then she met her future husband on Final Fantasy XI and left me for Thank him. You. So that kind of broke me in the game. Like, I'm done. Well, that, that's understandable. I'm sorry that happened to you. And oh, I did was for the best, but it's, it's funny now. Happens to a lot of people. We, mm-hmm. we knew a lot of couples that also met playing that game that are married to this day. And 
you know, none that that left somebody else for. But <laughs> but I do know people who absolutely cheated on their significant others in in that game. Just just not not physical, just the emotional. Yep. But it's it was just one of those games where you had to invest so much time that you had to get close to people. And whenever you get people who are spending all these hours and get close together, you know, things start to happen. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a game I loved. Like, I want to go back and play a version where I can just solo everything and just run through. I just want to see some of the old areas. I want to see Windhurst again. Oh, uh, good old Windhurst. I mean, I started in Sandaria, but, but my main when I went back to the game was Windhurst. And that's where I, I left it. But I it was something else at one time. All you have to do is put on, like, go to YouTube, listen, put on the soundtrack, and close your eyes, and you'll be back. <laughs> the <laughs> like, music alone in that game. One memory that a lot of people I can't, that won't get it, but I remember, like, early on when I first got the game, before I really understood anything, there was one weekend where me and my buddy, who we were friends in real life, and we turned it on. We ran from Sandaria to Bastock at, like, level, like, before we got the sub jobs, and we just ran all the way there. And I remember being like, wow, look at this. And then my first online experience was 11. It wasn't my first online. I, I had played briefly like earth and beyond before that but it was my first mmo that i was like really into and i I had a similar i remember going to the dunes for the first time and being in a party and someone (laughs) someone was like oh my friend's here he's gonna take me to winters do you want to go because i was from bastock and i was like sure and like all right well we got to get to salbina and we got to get on the boat and I'm like, well, we got to wait for the boat and we got to wait 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. This is like real life. This is great. And then the boat is like 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, five minutes to leave. And I'm like, wow, I just spent 30 minutes on a boat. But I didn't care. I was having the time of my life. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And we're running through the Marfan Mountains and, you know, trying to get get the, the peninsula. And we're we're getting down to Windhurst. And I'm like, st- everything's like trying to kill me. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, my God. And I finally got there. And I, it was like 5 a.m. by the time we got to Windhurst. And I was like, I'm going to log up here. But. But wow, what a journey. Like, I really felt like I just trekked across the world. And I had no idea where I was or how to get back or anything <laughs> like that. But I'm like, I'm starting a brand new adventure. I don't even know how many people have even ever seen this town because I played a PS2 launch. So it was like really, really early. It was 2004. You know, so not a lot of people had even played it in America. Yeah. It was only on PC for a few months prior. And it, yeah, it, like memories like that could never happen again because it was just it was that innocent age you know the internet was still you know more in its infancy and and there weren't games of that scale really yet. and this was also before world of warcraft even came out yeah this is um, after everquest but yeah before the yeah. what i consider the big the big like jump well, wow yeah. what wow did to that genre exactly so it was it, it was a very special game and you know stories like that will st- you know, here it is almost 20 years since that, you know, it's 2022. That was a 2004 and I can remember it like the back of my hands. So I want to go back <laughs> every so often because my I'm actually still friends with my my ex that left me. We, we had a kid again. We, we still talk. We've been broken up for years, but we still talk. She's always like, you need to go back and play 11. I'm like, no, but I want to. But no, <laughs> I play 14 now when I have the time. That one's at least a little more solo friendly. She's always trying to get me to play 14 also. She's like, just sign for the free trial. I'm like, but I do a podcast. I play a game every week. I don't got time. <laughs> like four, 14 is a different beast because you, you can you can be in a free company. You could have friends, but you don't have to do you do anything with them. You could use the duty finder will match you with people to do dungeons. Or now you can just use NPCs to do dungeons. So you could play the entire game solo as a single player game. And that's what I want to do. I just can't get myself to go back. Well, I'm not talking 11. I'm talking 14. Oh, yeah, yeah, with 14. Well, yeah, I can't get myself to even install 14. I just can't get myself to do it. It's worth it. The story alone is worth it. Like, it's one of those games where they built it up 
to end game levels where you know like like the marvel movies they build to end game whereas like this slow build up over 10 years and then you get that okay. big climatic they did the same thing with endwalker where they build everything for 10 years and then it comes together awesome awesome experience maybe one day <laughs> if i stop doing the podcast and maybe <laughs> i for the ya. show I play a game every week. Plus, I do sometimes I play two games in a week. Sometimes and I do movies and I do I do too much content. But hey, you got to do do what you love, and that's the important thing. Sometimes you got to put other things in the back burner. But you at least at least things like this you can always go back to. Yeah, you could always go and play. All right, and where can people find you at? Sure. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire, where I'm always available for talking video games. You could also find premium edition games at premiumeditiongames.com where again we have our fourth series up until june 10th that's wonderling dx and rain on your parade so the retros are limited to 500 only and they're going fast standards are open pre-order so you can always get your copy if you do it during the pre-order window you will get the dog tags per version for free so make sure to get those dog tags you could also find us on twitter at premium edition one you can find us on other social medias premium edition games Make sure to sign up for our newsletter on our website, and we have a Discord, so please join that. Nintendo Fuse, you can find me at nintendofuse.com on youtube.com slash nintendofuse, as well as at Nintendo Fuse on Twitter. And we also have a Discord there with Nintendo Fuse, so please feel free to join if you'd like. And the Premium Playcast and the Nintendo Fuse podcast, you could find on all podcast services. We're pretty much everywhere. Okay. And thank you for joining me. And you enjoyed this show. You will see a link to all his stuff in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this show, we have over 300 episodes you can go check out. We do comics, movies, games, all sorts of crap. TV seasons I even review, too. I review anything I get my hands on. So definitely go check all that out. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube at audio only, but we are there if you'd rather get your podcast that way. If you're looking for old episodes, can't find everything you look for on Spotify or iTunes, check out Spodbean. Everything's on Podbean. And want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Free. You can follow her on TikTok. She made our music. And also, want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did my MCU roundup with me when he covered the whole Infinity Saga, each movie beat by beat for 23 movies. <laughs> he started his own podcast, A Gamer Looks at 40. So definitely go check him out. And we have a Patreon. You can We have monthly polls. You can vote for little as a dollar. You can help vote and decide what's going to be on the show. And that gets everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>